The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. No one respects tribal traditions more than me. I organized the committee that built this place. This is a bow and arrow used by our ancestors to defend the village from a cavalry attack. We recovered and restored it with funds from the casino. Lone Tree won't accept that progress doesn't necessarily undermine spirituality. I'll tell you what that little casino's done for this community. Museums, childcare, educational programs, and most of all, jobs. And we can work with pride. You've got quite a compelling argument. Well, we've been slow to embrace innovation. The riches of the technological revolution have swept right by us. So the answer is gambling? It's one of the answers. Any truth to Mr. Lone Tree's assertion that you're backed by other interests? <laughs> uh, did he give you his old white man is evil routine? Well, I see. Well, there are those who say that the native population should run these casinos without any partnerships with white men. They say the white man destroyed our culture, and to some degree they're correct, but whatever happened in the past can't dictate our future. We have to move forward into the 21st century. We're all brothers on this planet. Welcome everyone, it is Thursday, October 26, 2017. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. It's funny how sinister the notion of our all being brothers can sound when you don't quite trust the person who's declaring it to be true. Today our focus is on the diverse diversity controversies that Canadians have been grappling with over the past several weeks, in particular with regard to Canada's Aboriginal and Muslim cultures and how these cultures are assimilating, or not assimilating, or getting along with the so-called white majority culture. I mean, the very fact that any issues at all are being discussed and debated on such tangled and mangled grounds in the first place is already highly problematic and not the proper grounds on which these issues should be debated. From the banning of the word chief in the Toronto School Board, ostensibly to not offend Aboriginals, to Quebec's recent passage of Bill 62 that makes face coverings in public there illegal, to some of the misguided notions of how these differing cultures can live in unity, it is a tangled web indeed. Before we begin, don't forget, you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, all of Just Right's past broadcasts. Today's show represents a kind of threshold for Just Right on a number of fronts. In addition to announcing a new production from Just Right Media, which I shall bring to your attention a bit later on, I also have a couple of very important announcements and updates to bring to the attention of our listeners. First, 
For those of you who listen to Just Right on WBCQ at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursdays on the 5130 kHz band, we have a very important announcement. Beginning with our next broadcast, that's next week, WBCQ will begin broadcasting Just Right on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern on the 7490 kHz band. Everyone else will continue to hear the show Thursdays, as always. Second, for those of you who are on Just Right's email subscription list and who receive our regular Thursday emails announcing the latest show, a warning for those of you who have a Gmail account. Now pay attention to this, because this might affect more than just this show. As we began discovering about two weeks ago, and this might be a symptom of a much larger issue that affects much more than just ourselves. If your email address ends in at gmail.com, then the odds are very high that you are no longer receiving our weekly emails in your inbox because they're being put in your spam folder by Gmail. In fact, this applies to anyone who communicates with us using a Gmail email account, since any reply you receive from Just Right Media, even if it's only a simple hello or how do you do from me, will have at least a 50-50 chance of ending up in your spam folder, from which emails are generally deleted after a period of a month or so. So if you're getting any of our contact through Gmail, be sure to check your spam folder because you may very well be surprised by what else you might you might find has been put there over the past few weeks. I've also been informed that subscribers to updates from online shows like Ben Shapiro, CRTV, which is Mark Levine and Stephen Crowder, and from other groups and activists on the right, that they've also been put in Gmail spam folders over the past two or three weeks. Now, this is an injustice to us, of course, because Just Right does not send out spam email. In fact, our emailers have been requested, and Gmail is preventing us from fulfilling our promise to our subscribers. You know, Robert Vaughn has, has likened this to the post office, opening and reading your mail, and then deciding whether or not you'll actually receive your mail without your knowledge or consent. So is doing such a thing Google's right, or should what Google's doing be regarded as criminal? Gmail, of course, is owned by Google, which has been accused lately of some rather inequitable online practices, to say the least. We're not sure why we've attracted the wrath of Google at this point in time, though it could have something to do with our continuing and steady growth in online traffic, which has more than doubled (laughs) since January of this year. But maybe our growth has nothing to do with this issue with Gmail. Maybe it has to do with the content of many of our shows, which deal with the always politically sensitive issues of racial, religious, and cultural differences. It has been brought to our attention that Facebook, Google, and Twitter have, over the last short while, targeted the accounts of people who criticize Islam and also deal with other politically incorrect issues. Not long ago, YouTube had deleted the account of Pamela Geller. Earlier, it also temporarily suspended the account of Jordan Peterson, who is also known for his politically incorrect views. So are we just being paranoid when suddenly we discover that Gmail is spamming email that originates from Just Right Media? If any listeners have any insights to this problem and how we might resolve it, 
we'd be pleased to hear from you. But in the meantime, if your email account is with Gmail, be sure to check your spam folder regularly, even if you don't subscribe to Just Right. Now, on this side of our upcoming bumper, we'll be hearing from Annie Cyrus, an online critic of Islam who has found herself facing a similar problem with Google in conversation with Steven Crowder on the October 16 edition of Louder with Crowder on YouTube, who shared similar experiences and concern. And when we return on the other side of our bumper, it will be my pleasure to introduce you to something completely new from Just Right Media. Always lovely to have our next guest. You can follow Annie underscore Cyrus. I was going to say watch her YouTube videos, but she's had some, some run-ins with them recently, which we'll get to. Annie, thanks for being back. Always a pleasure to be here. Well, okay, so we were just talking off air. Everyone has had a run-in with YouTube recently. Yours was very specific, uh, you were saying. You released one video, and that's when everything changed. Inform our audience. Yes, um, everything was fine on our YouTube channel for the last five years until about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I released a video of my uh, most recent speech in Canada uh, covering Motion M103. Uh, for those of your audience who don't know, it is Islamophobia bill yeah. that they're trying to silence anybody who can possibly criticize Islam or Muslims. So I went there, did the speech, released the video as soon as it came out. Within two hours, every single video, which is a total of 700 videos, just went demonetized. YouTube. Something tells me that Abercrombie Trudeau made a couple of phone calls to Google. <laughs> uh, so this happened with YouTube. You know, we've had it too, where all of a sudden just like there's a rash of demonetized videos overnight, a bunch of them. And I think it's sometimes subject to manual review. We just saw James O'Keefe, you know, this this these uh, last few days, release more and more videos that show YouTube has a person directly in charge of curating content. Um, <laughs> was this like a super profane video? Is it something that kids couldn't watch? Was it R-rated? Nope, it was all about one thing, and that was exposing the truth about Islam and Trudeau and Islamization of the West. But I did receive an email actually explaining that it goes against the terms of use. And when I asked for a specific, they just said, go read it. Yeah. And I did read it. Actually, I took the time to read it, and I didn't see anywhere that applies motion and want to read to it. So I guess they're adding it later. Well, it's nuanced, Miss <laughs> Rocky Four. That's what they want you to say. Like, where, whatever someone says, healthcare is a human right. Really? Yeah. Well, where's that? Uh, it's under the general wellness clause somewhere. It's like YouTube, under the general offensive content, they, they retroactively removed yeah. gun videos with bump stocks, which are legal, by the way, and which have been up for years because of the Vegas shooting. So they it's, can change laws. It's part of it because it's 2017 clause. Yeah, they, yeah. Can, they can travel in time and change the laws and then say you've abused them. Uh, is, is your, is your channel still up let, let people know where they can go and watch it at least well yes the channel is still up uh, they can actually the best way to watch them is to go to acunewsdaily.com that's acunewsdaily.com all the reviews are still there okay. I don't suggest trying to find them on YouTube because on search we don't come up anymore yeah well you're probably restricted that there are a lot of little tricks that they can pull that most conservatives don't really know a whole yeah, sure. lot about uh, because they don't deal with them as frequently but there are so many little tricks that are in the rule book but at the very least would be unethical tell people about what this is in Canada specifically now I'm obviously I was raised in in, in Montreal so I'm much more familiar with how Islamicized I guess certainly Quebec is a lot of Americans don't believe it can happen here. So, so, so tell them, give them a little, a few specifics here because it, it's more extreme than most people know. Mm. 
Oh, yes. Basically, um, and by the way, I know you mentioned Montreal, but I was in Toronto. Right. I think that's how you pronounce it. And oh, my goodness gracious. When I landed, when I got, got into the you know place where you get your passport and you get your stamp, I was terrified they're going to give me a hard time. They didn't. But I passed through the border and I literally thought by mistake, they dropped me off at Tehran, capital of Iran. Well, I just you like, must have taken uh -oh. some drugs that knocked you out on that flight because it's not at all the same duration. <laughs> no, it, and the last time I was in Canada was 2015. In a matter of two years, eight out of 10 uh, people who work at the airport, female, are wearing the hijab. Yeah. And I'm like, is this really Canada? What we need is one good intelligence agent to infiltrate, find out exactly what they're up to. Oh, I think we've got the man right here. He's obviously researched the Indians thoroughly and knows what he's talking about. How about it, Chief? All right, Max, it's your baby. I want you on your way to Arizona at once. Right, Chief, Arizona. I'll be on that reservation in Arizona. Arizona? Mm-hmm. Uh, is the saturation bombing definitely off, Chief? is control. Yes, sir. Oh, no, sir. It's just a little trouble with some Indians. Uh, no, sir. <laughs> I often wonder how that old episode of Get Smart might go over in today's politically correct world, especially the one inside the Toronto School Board where the word chief has now been declared offensive and politically incorrect to use. But to carry on that conversation, let's listen in to a sample of Just Right Media's latest offering, a new podcast called The Danielle Metz Show. And if that name sounds familiar, you would be most correct in concluding that Danielle is indeed my daughter. In fact, she's practically been the secretary for the show for several years now. What makes this a little weird for me that it looks a lot like my own co-host Robert Vaughn has run off with my daughter to launch her new podcast with about a half a dozen of them already available online, about which I'll say more later. Together, they'll be taking an irregularly released regular frank look at some of today's pivotal issues, making no apologies along the way. Expect each podcast to average about 10 to 20 minutes and to focus on a single issue or topic that might otherwise escape our own attention here on Just Right. You will now find a button that says The Danielle Metz Show on the right side of Just Right's homepage at www.justrightmedia.org. And when you click on that button and sample any of the podcasts you'll find there, the first few seconds of each will sound very familiar to regular listeners of this show, but after that, expect a very different listening experience indeed. This one's called the chief concern. The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. I'm Danielle Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is the Danielle Metz Show. So, Robert, I believe you had a particular topic you wanted to address this week. Oh, there's so many out there. Uh, it's just you can't go a day without picking a topic that the progressives, the left, the cultural Marxists are absolutely proving that humanity is off the rails and headed for disaster. <laughs> but this one, Toronto District School Board 
has determined that the word chief is culturally inappropriate to Canadian Aboriginals and therefore they're going to expunge it from everything in that school board. And it's basically in response to the Ontario Ministry of, um, I think it's education, uh, Mitzi Hunter, who um, has basically said in light of their Truth and Reconciliation Commission of 2015 that the school boards should be sensitive to Aboriginal offensive terms and they should seek out these offensive terms. And what gets me is, who the hell are these people? <laughs> who are they to put themselves in a position to say that, first of all, they're not actually even Aboriginals. The vast majority of these trying to just... And no Aboriginals people. actually ever complained about these No, terms. of course not, for hundreds of years. <laughs> not even to the Toronto District School Board. There was no complaints made. Yeah. They came out ahead of it, like, well, we got to take care of this they before even said anybody... That. They yeah. even said that we they have to be ahead of it. Yeah, that's the thing I want to ask is, who are these people who's sitting there basically of European descent, saying that this word is offensive to um, Aboriginals. First of all, did they take a poll? Secondly, it's an English word. It just, it just simply Latin defines the head. word yeah, that went through French yeah. and then became chef, which means that apparently there's no chefs any longer because that's offensive now. And <laughs> chief, uh, the world's worst slur ever. It means a leader. It means somebody of honor. It means, oh, commander-in-chief, uh, anybody, president of the United they're, States? They're actually going to expunge the use of that word in those, uh, for example, the um, uh, department chief. They're going to take out that word. To what purpose? So was not to be apparently <laughs> culturally offensive to Aboriginals. To people who aren't complaining. Uh, to people who aren't <laughs> complaining, yeah. Yeah, we're going to kowtow to people who aren't making a fuss, aren't complaining about it, and it's a term of honor. You would think that they would expunge the word Indian, because they're not Indians, in the sense that they're East, not East Indians. <laughs> no, you know? they're not East Indians, they're not West Indians, they're uh, yeah, Native they're Americans, or what are they, na Indigenous people, Aboriginals? Indigenous, I like the word Aboriginals. Aboriginal simply means original people. That's what it means, first peoples. Yes. Right? And you can't deny it, they were here first. Or at well, least, at least no, I should say. Other than the Vikings, I kind of step foot, but that's a whole other story. But no, yes, no, the they Aboriginals were here, were here you know, thousands of years before the Vikings came. I don't like Native American because I am a native of this continent. I was born here. Yes, and I, I for the same reason. And not only that, I should, I should backtrack. They weren't the first here. Their ancestors were the first here. They are simply the descendants oh, of those who came first. Very good point. They are descendants of Aboriginals. That is true. Technically, they are not Aboriginals. No, because they're not the first people anymore. Exactly. They are just the same as the rest just of us. Just like I'm not a European. I'm of European descent. Yes. Uh, 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 that's not actually true. Either. I'm of English, Irish, Welsh descent, well, which is not really Europe. That's still Europe. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> What's oh, I'm sorry. Name? Brexit. Okay, sorry. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, uh, the world's gone nuts. Absolutely oh, it nuts. is. It, it, well, uh, Christy Blatchford in the National Post on October 11th uh, stated perfectly um, the opening line of her article that was on the front page, mind you. It says, if there are any doubt, there is no more. Canada is the stupidest country ever. And then she goes on to detail how the, there is the, the lineage of the word chief, where it came from, and how it's not an Aboriginal word. All the rest of how is this even, I just, I can't even imagine how anybody would think it's a slur. It's like somebody calling you boss, president, 
premier. Yes. It's, it's a term of honor. How is this possibly a slur? I think you may have hit upon something when you said earlier to me before the show started that you think that they're looking for something to do. When you said also that they're trying to get ahead of the minister. It's basically a make-work project, the minister said. You know, go out and find offensive terms. Okay, let's bring out the dictionary. <laughs> what can we possibly Start with find? Start with our I'm waiting for them to take Cracker off the premium plus Cracker box because really that's an offensive term in the past too. So why are we not doing that? <laughs> well, you know, if they start down this path, well, they already have. There's no if about it. Just consider some of the consequences. The word Canada Meant is... the village, right? Yeah, is a meeting place, village, whatever. They're not actually sure. was an Aboriginal term. So should we rename the country? The town of Mississauga, the city of Mississauga, is uh, named after the Mississauga Indians, from what I, what I understand. Should we now rename Mississauga? Saskatchewan. Uh, Saskatchewan, Toronto. Um, half the place names in this country are after to honor more yes, or less. Yes, let me go, let me think. The that seems like a peoples. really uh, mean thing to do to these people is yeah. to name things that we value after them. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. okay, now let's, take, let's go down the road. Let's take every use of every Aboriginal word that we can find and expunge it from the written record. What do you think will happen to Aboriginal culture as a result? That is a very good point. It will fade away into nothing. Is that really what they intend to do? Because I don't particularly dislike Aboriginal culture. It's not offensive to me. It's our history. I, I find some of it fascinating. Oh, I agree. So why get rid of it? And that's just what they're doing. Oh, I know. Well, that's the problem is by they're thinking they're being culturally sensitive. And what they're really doing is expunging their culture and getting and, and putting it aside because it is no longer it's they consider it cultural expropriation or appropriation. And but that is how you keep cultures alive. And they don't seem to realize that that is what using these terms does and chiefs again chief chief like seriously why is that offensive yet you could there's baseball teams football teams all these sorts teams that are named after aboriginal tribes that's honor yes that is because you root for those teams. It's not like, oh, I can't wait to see my this team here defeated. No, you root for that team. That's the, the, the point of honor. You, you, you invest in it and you keep the tradition of that culture alive by using those terms and keeping them into the modern day society. Right. I mean, just think of, for example, the Clark Road Spartans. By using that term, the Spartans, the, the, of course, Clark Road is a, is a high school nearby, uh, what you're doing is letting the children in that school know something about the history of, what, where was that, in Greece? Greece, yeah, because there's uh, Athens it, it was a, versus It was a city-state in Greece, what is yes. now Greece. So, and they were a very warlike uh, society. You know, there's history associated with it. So when a, a kid growing up at that high school says, okay, the Spartans, ooh, wonder what that means, looks it up and goes, well, now that's interesting. All of a sudden, what you've done is, is kept the Spartan culture alive. If, if yes, not just but they're dead second. white males. You don't want to do that. <laughs> Come on, we got to expunge that. Oh dear. So, well, yeah, again, so we get rid of the word chief, get rid of the word Indian, get rid of the word, uh, some people don't like the word Aboriginal, some That's people just... don't like the word Indian. I tell you what, why don't we, why don't we just 
Why don't we um, just get rid just of words? Shut up. Yeah, just get rid of words. You know, burn the dictionaries. Yep. You know. Well, except for unless it's, you're using words like zees or zer, sis, and all the new words that they've come up with that have replaced all the words that we already have. To oh, describe the compelled the language, yes. The compelled language, yes. Yeah. So let's just get rid of all the original words that actually describe the things that they originally described. And you know something? What's a word? A word is a concept. A concept is a p from epistemology. How do we know what we know? It's a thought. It's a thought, it's a concept, and it's a higher order concept in a lot of things that we're talking about. The concepts like love and hate and anger and aboriginal and all of those things are higher order concepts that society, the progressive society, the leftists, the collectivists are trying to get rid of. Because when you get rid of thought, when you get rid of words, when you get rid of concepts, then people become stupid and easier to control. When you get rid of words, and they tell it, then you don't have to think. And when you don't have to think, you're easily controlled. Yes. You're and that's right. all they're working on doing. And that's the end game. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing with the removal of an honorific. Yes. It's an honorific. Yeah. If somebody uses it haphazardly, like, oh, hey, chief, how's it going? The, the ooh. Ooh, like I'm <laughs> the C word. The C word, yeah. <laughs> or like, another well, C word. <laughs> hey, wait. <laughs> well, I'm German, Kraut. Um, I don't take offense, and and that's the interesting part that Kraut I find. Kraut only means weed. <laughs> when I find when somebody says to me, I hear words like cracker, coon, kraut. Any of those words? Do I take offense? Why would I? Are you a cracker, a coon, or a kraut? Well, according to my skin color I am and my genetic background I'm German so I'm a kraut okay and I'm a cracker because I'm white and I'm not really sure where coon came from that one I'm I'd hate to see you in a sour mood <laughs> <laughs> then again I do like sauerkraut yeah sauerkraut's awesome I think it's great it's anyway this conversation's going to yeah we, we, off the rails off the rails off the rails <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to finish up with there, Robert? Well, yeah, just just by closing to say that the hubris of these people who are sitting in that in that horseshoe in Toronto, pontificating, uh, you know, in their ivory tower as to what words are offensive to and we'll tell you what words you will exactly. find offensive. That just disgusts. Oh, these it does. These people are loathsome. Oh, they are, and and it's that's well, that's the other point. It's not just that people find these words offensive because no one's complained about them, so obviously that's not a fact. It's we will tell you that you must find these words offensive, so you will think what we tell you to think. Oh, it just recurred to me, you know, that when I was on a school board here in London, they actually took offense when, for example, a chart came up and the chart was punctuated by, you know, bullet marks, right? Mm. Indented uh, bullets. Yes. Right? They objected to the words bullets. The, the, the word oh, bullets. it was triggering? Uh, yes. But this is, you're going back like 15 years now before this the is, word triggering this came is up. Go, I can't believe how long they've been working you know on our they, psyche to yes. get us to even accept the fact that you can say the word triggering or that bullets are bad or uh, just, they, it, this is a slow, slow process. And they're eroding our, our ability to think and our ability to speak. And it just keeps going, going until we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. I, the, the amount of times I'm assuming most people self-censor themselves because they think, oh, I can't say that. Or when you hear somebody say something that's true and you're like, I can't believe they said that. You could say that out loud. You could say that in public. And it's just that erosion that they're just wearing down our ability to resist this. And I think 
the whole chief issue is a perfect example of where they're going with that. Well, you know, I've got a couple of choice words of my own for these people, <laughs> but I think because we decided that this is going to be a family-friendly yeah, show, family I'll leave those to myself. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to wrap up here, so take care, behave yourselves, and I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. If you've enjoyed this presentation, visit www.justrightmedia.org for more programming that's not right-wing, it's just right. And as of today's broadcast, you will find a half-dozen podcasts of The Danielle Matz Show, which in addition to the one that you just heard, include The Feminization of the West, the masochism of the left, the great racist eclipse, the solution to revolution, and the Canadian cop-out. Check them out. But being a single Indian guy is tough, because Indian men, we don't know how to date, huh? Indian men don't know how to date. We stalk. <laughs> we stalk our prey. <laughs> Cross the bingo hall. We don't even know how to have a romantic dinner. A romantic dinner for an Indian man is we'll take you to KFC and lick your fingers after you chicken. <laughs> That's a romantic dinner. Because <laughs> I was married once, huh? I was married once a while back, you know, and the only thing I miss about marriage is celibacy. That's it. <laughs> Just the white people are laughing at that one, huh? All the Indians are going, what's celibacy, what's that? Is that a vegetable? What's that? <laughs> I found out white people, they get intimate anytime. And even in the daylight, holy. Ever sick in the daylight? Indians, we want to do it. Put all the lights off, close the curtain, get the blanket. Okay, where are you, honey? White people even have foreplay. That's what I heard. Us guys, we have the forearm. You awake? Wake up. I'm home. Now turn around. Be quiet, you wake up the kids. And don't move. I'll only be a minute. white people. I think every family should have one. <laughs> white men work hard. Indians hardly work. <laughs> well, white people are just, are, are just different than us. You know, white people, they, they lock their doors, they put alarm system, everything, huh? Even lock their bedroom door. Us guys who unlock our bedroom door, we use a butter knife, huh? God, <laughs> <laughs> honey, kids aren't coming in tonight. White people have computers. We have VLTs. <laughs> White people have contact lenses to increase their eyesight. 
Us guys, we have the bingo squint. What number was that? Jeez, it's nice to see a bunch of Indian folks in here. I won't go snow blind tonight looking at y'all. What else we got? One little, two little, three little whitey, four little, five little. Ah, <laughs> uh, good, a good sense of humor, you know. I did this act in L.A. and they didn't quite get it, you know. They're not used to seeing Indians in Hollywood. Everybody put the tables in a circle, you know. And they weren't quite sure, you know. And I had a heckler, and I know I should never judge a man by the color of his neck or anything like that, but it... Because <laughs> you don't want to hear that crap, Indian. I'm an American. Why don't you go back where you came from? <laughs> so I camped in his living room. <laughs> Last week, I was in Washington, D.C. Did a show for members of the American Indian Republican Party. Three of the nicest gentlemen I ever met in my life. <laughs> We're all welcome here in the circle of humor tonight. Welcome everybody who came. You know, everybody, welcome here, everybody. Everybody from different nations and tribes, welcome, you know. We're all related, you know. And the white folks, you know, it's nice you all came here too, man. We're all related, you know. <laughs> And you're not really white, you're all pink like raw hot dogs, you know. So. <laughs> and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking to the ones outside, you know. You all came in here to laugh. <laughs> there are differences between us, you know. Basic differences, we're all related, but we are culturally different, you know. Sometimes you go to a white man's house, and he's got a big coffee table book, pictures of Indian elders. You don't go to an Indian's house and see a bunch of old-ass white people hanging on the wall, do you? <laughs> this is Milton Berle, Ronald Reagan. Never see that. <laughs> the white folks out there, not you guys, okay. I'm gonna make sure they sign my check first. <laughs> You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Thank you to our financial supporters who have made it possible for us to continue on our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with the world. Visit www.justrightmedia.org to offer your financial support. And while you're there, be sure to sample some of our timeless past broadcasts, all archived, not just for your listening enjoyment and convenience, but also as a record of our dedication, consistency, and principled approach to the discussion of all things just right about freedom and capitalism. It was some of the feedback on our Facebook page relating to last week's show that prompted me to address a very common, and I think a very harmful idea, and that is mainly that we should all be in this state of unity. We should be unified and getting together and, and loving one another. We're hearing this, this propaganda from the left just, just coming at us in every shape and form. If you'll recall, last week we talked about the whole issue of what happens when all that's left, pardon the pun, is hate. I guess what we were addressing is this idea that so many people 
of the right believe that the people on the left are merely people of goodwill with opposing or different points of view. And, and, they're, and they're led falsely to believe that the left is interested in some kind of honest political debate and democratic consensus. But it just ain't so, folks. The left hates freedom, it hates capitalism, it hates Western values, and of course hates everything that's just right. What do you expect? So, you know, you have this whole scenario that we discussed last week. The left preaches love while, while practicing hate. It preaches freedom of speech while practicing censorship. They want jobs but don't want to work. And, you know, they use these words peace, inclusion, diversity, and love, but are looking for disruption, exclusion, conformity, and hate. So that was basically the whole theme of last week's show. And we got some very interesting responses on our Facebook page. John C. writes, Why is there so much hate on the wacko left? Antifa, who are anarchists, communists, fascist Nazis attacking people, just trying to come hear someone speak at Berkeley, injuring people, destroying both public and private property, and shutting down freedom of speech. Then Jerry B. writes, Speaking of hate, sometimes a column can be judged in its effect by its responses. I'm right as they come, but I do not tolerate divisiveness. We have enough of that coming from the left. By the way, all of the divisiveness comes from the left. I think the article accurately represents a portion of the people on the left, he writes, but that's not the case for many. Some on the left have bought into an erroneous idea of what freedom looks like and are in shock and disbelief at the swing implied by the current administration that doesn't necessarily mean they hate values such as hard, hard work, etc. Let's not fall prey to the vices of those who are the worst among them. Well, first of all, we're talking about those specific qualities and properties that define some idea as being on the left or on the right. It's the philosophy and the morality. It's not about the people necessarily. Because to the extent that an individual doesn't, for example, hate the values such as hard work, etc., well, to that extent, that individual is not on the left. In that sense, he has an idea that is on the right, and it has to be identified as such. So, Stop making this about people. Yes, a person can be totally on the left or totally on the right if he chooses all of the elements that comprise those things. But people are very inconsistent in where they stand on left and right. They actually believe there's something called the middle of the road, which there isn't, and that's a phenomenon we've already examined in detail. Claudia G. writes, Because this headline and article is helpful in unifying, right? <laughs> To which Charles R. responds, yes, but IDing the problem will help unite us. And he's correct. That's exactly how, at least that's a starting point. But Claudia responds to him, but identifying the problem is only helpful when presented with a unifying solution. Honesty is only one part. Without passing the tests of, one, is this information honest? Two, is it helpful? Three, is it unifying? Otherwise, it only serves to divide. I agree with the info. I am heartbroken and frustrated as well. I would just rather see a heartfelt reach than opining the already troublesome facts. Very interesting point of view that Claudia expresses there. So let's get together on this whole unity thing, shall we? You have to be careful with that word, and I would warn Claudia and others who think like her, this whole, you know, we've got to be together and unified, 
because it's a very dangerous word. Unity is one of the favorite words that dictators and totalitarians use all the way around the world, and politicians in general. Why? Because to them, unity means that there shall be no disagreement among people. Because disagreement in and of itself means disunity. That's all it takes. So please stop it with the unity propaganda already. Unity is a floating abstraction. It's an adjective without a noun that is necessary to justify the nature of that unity. What are you talking about? Because when used this way, the word unity becomes another one of those anti-concepts, a concept that actually destroys the original meaning of the word. You can't use the word unity with this floating abstraction in your mind. It's just like diversity. Unity, it has no intrinsic value. It is a meaningless term that entirely seeks to avoid any debate. Isn't that the whole point? A diversity of what? A unity of what? A un you know, of, of who? We hear the phrase that I like to hate, let's agree to disagree, which in its best translation means let's not resort to physical force over a difference of opinion. We can each go our own way if we cannot come to some agreement. But here's the catch. That's not the way the left thinks. And it doesn't matter how much you want to unify. If they don't think that way, there is going to be no unity. There's going to be no peace, and there will always be strife. You know, as to Claudia's statement, pointing out the obvious without offering a heartfelt solution proves only to further fuel the vitriol and animosity. The solution is always the very things that the left hates, in which we identified in our opening sentence. Quote, the left hates freedom, hates capitalism, hates Western values, and hates everything that's just right. So you want to see true unity? Try freedom. Try practicing Western values. Defend capitalism. In fact, the whole point of this exercise is to encourage a polarized political environment, one in which each side can be clearly distinguished from the other, the left from the right. And these are two points of view that can never be unified. The totalitarianism and the tyranny of the left is utterly incompatible with the freedom of the right. The solution to these polar opposites is not to unify them. The solution is to pick a side, and hopefully the right side. Choose freedom, not unity. Turning our attention now to the controversy surrounding face coverings in public, another one of these great cultural controversies. Last week, Thursday, on Andy Utman's Live Drive, which airs in London, Ontario, weekdays on CJBK AM 1290 from 3 to 6 p.m., he interviewed Tarek Fatah, who, in addition to addressing the issue of Quebec's law on face covering in public, continues to emphasize many of the same issues he raised when he appeared a few years ago on Just Right. On this side of the upcoming bumper, we'll hear an edited portion of that interview that focuses on the whole face covering issue here in Canada. So, too, with the edited portion of my own discussion with Andy Utman that we'll hear on the other side of the bumper as we return to elaborate on some of the issues that have arisen because of the province of Quebec's recent passing of Bill 62. Your thoughts on what Quebec did, why they did it, and how the rest of the country may want to interpret what they did and whether they might want to follow suit. Well, to begin with, let's understand that Quebec has a slightly different history than the rest of Protestant Anglo-Canada. 
they've come around from that social revolution and said that laws cannot be based on divine texts or papal authority. And in that context, they've said that anyone who covers their face is challenging the very notion of what a human being is. And the fact that people come to Canada, they have to uncover their face, otherwise they won't be interviewed. Nobody would know who they are. So people coming here and then either themselves or taking their wives and using them as a political tool to fly the, uh, the flag of radical Islam or show the middle finger to the rest of Canada and then end up saying we are victims. Now this can be sold to bleeding heart white liberals who are saying it's people like Tariq Fatah are racist simply because we support the burqa ban. Uh, but that a hundred years fight that my mothers and my grandmothers had to fight to get the burqa out of the way. And here we are with left-wing, uh, well, I'm left-wing as well, but uh, I don't know what makes a Canadian left-winger nowadays. They're supporting the most medieval constructs that are remnant of slavery because the, uh, the burqa or the niqab says, I am the possession of such and such man and how dare you look at my face because my face is registered to be seen only by one man what is the issue that that's well, we don't even we don't agree on the answers to some of these questions but we don't even agree on the question of what the issue is and i saw Peggy Sattler uh, in the Ontario legislature, Lisa McLeod, Kathleen Wynne, all saying what Quebec did is racist and you can't tell a woman what to wear, what not to wear. So This I'm is not wearing anything. This is not wear. No one at no time in all of 50,000 years of human history has covered their face. Never. Kathleen Wynne and all these other politicians are catering to their vote bank. And they think that the only people who care about this are, are Muslims, as if we Muslims have, are on the cutting edge of fighting against racism. Our entire theology, our entire Sharia is based on the superiority of the Arab over the non-Arab and the inferiority of the black uh, as compared to the white. And here we have a symbol that was rejected a hundred years ago being reintroduced because of white guilt. What's your message to Peggy Sattler about being so self-righteous against those evil Quebecers? She should recognize that her contempt for the French and the Francophone is what shows her racism. She better not hide it under and uh, hide behind Muslims and talk about Islamophobia and everything. Has she ever lived in a Muslim society? Is she willing to debate with me? Is she willing to stand up? and go on your radio station for one hour and let's discuss what a niqab is of how many women are getting raped by not being able to be hidden uh, uh, under uh, niqab that Umar, the Afghan chief uh, Osama bin Laden all of them escaped wearing a niqab can she explain what will she do about the jewelry theft on Girard Street in Toronto where a bandits wearing a, a niqab came and took away everything is she blind to the bank robbery at Scotiabank, which was done by Nikabis? Should we have a law in Ontario which follows the lead of Quebec? Absolutely. But you won't have it 
because there are too many fl- snowflakes running this government. Too many white people who are scared of being called racist and they want to look exotic. It's as if white people have bought a ringside ticket in a circus and they want colored people like me to dance so that they can say, well, uh, John, not only do we have giraffes, we have elephants, monkeys, and uh, frogs. So we need to perform so that these upper middle class white liberal folks can sit around, spout their leftist nonsense, and appear as if they are very generous in how they are giving us our freedom. Anyone who covers their face in public is committing an act of deception to hide something that he or she should not have to. And so the law would prohibit it? Prohibit any face covering in the public. It's not always easy, but that's what makes it important. If we believe that difference is actually our strength, then we do the work to understand each other and not just tolerate each other, but love each other because of our differences. Let's love each other, says Kathleen Wynne, which means we're not going to follow the hateful, hateful, racist example of Quebec on the issue of face coverings. No, we are not going to ban face coverings in Ontario. Let's go to Bob. Bob, go ahead. Hi, Andy. Long time no talk. Been a while. Missed you. This is an amazing conversation. I've been listening to it for a while. And people are asking, well, what makes the face different from any other part of the body that they can pass laws about? You know, there's this thing called the law of identity. When you go out into public, you have a right to know who's around you and what you are dealing with because unless you know that if you don't have that knowledge you can't be free faces are the distinguishing characteristic of individuals you can't drive down the street without a license plate on your car do you know why that is so that people can identify you what happens if you witness ten people with face coverings and there's an altercation or an accident or a crime how can you report that to anyone you're, 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 you're helpless not only that, it's insulting. When I go out in public and I'm looking at someone who is, has their face covered, that's an insult to me. It cuts off communication. Facial expressions express communication. How do I know that what I'm saying to that person isn't making them angry? I mean, this is so basic. I can't believe we're having this conversation. I love your comparison to the car. It is law that we are able to identify every car around us. You have to. Every, every identity is what keeps us free. What we just heard originally aired on Andy Udman's show of October 19th. And just to be clear, when I referred to the law of identity, I was not referring to any legislated law. I was talking about well, something more akin to natural law or the law of identity as a philosophical principle. But what we also heard from Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne in that last audio bite, quote, not just tolerate each other, but love each other because of our differences, end quote. That's offensive. To what differences is she referring? You know, most people would think it's differences between races, creeds, 
culture, skin color, and all those usual grounds on which our politicians like to create divisions. Because the real difference she's talking about, I think, is not those. But it's the difference between, as always, left and right. The difference between wrong and right. And if she can obliterate those distinctions by distracting everyone with their own fear and guilt, you know, for failing to love those who are clearly not reciprocating, then Kathleen Wynne herself must no longer be tolerated, let alone loved. Meanwhile, Tarek Fatah, who we heard on the first part of a break, continues to make the same kind of testimonies that I hear from all the Muslims that I personally encounter. And it's contrary to things that people like Kathleen Wynne are saying. What I found very interesting, though, from Tarak was that we hear him question his own alignment with the left wing, as if to suggest that he's only now beginning to comprehend what the left is really all about. I don't know what makes a Canadian left winger nowadays. <laughs> well, this, is, this gets back to the whole importance of this left and, and right label. Anthony Fury writes in the Monday, October 23rd edition of the National Post that the NECAB will become a bigger problem in years to come. Quote, moving to Canada does not appear to be having a secularizing effect. Immigrants are more likely to say their attachment to Islam has grown than waned since arriving in the country. This comes out of a Statistics Canada report on which he's commenting. Environics tallied female Muslims and found a mere 3% wear the niqab. But a decade earlier, only 1% wore them. So, you can see the trend. Quebec society says is wise to be having this conversation now. It's a conversation other provinces should be having too, especially Ontario. And it's a conversation, he says, that should include the basic fact that the niqab is just as much an extreme political symbol as it is a religious one. Now, I see the niqab issue as one completely separate from that of having a legal sanction on face covering in public. That, to me, is a whole separate issue, and it's totally secular. And let's not get into this nonsense. It does not concern protective clothing, wearing a ski mask when it's 30 below outside, or Halloween costumes, or even clown suits, which, by the way, recently became the topic of controversy when unidentified people in clown suits would confront people in public and or at protests and, and demonstrations, etc., that, that's unacceptable. I think that should be legally prohibited, especially face coverings at mass rallies and demonstrations. Are you kidding me? Barbara Kay added her own two cents on the whole Bill 62 issue. Barbara Kay, of course, has been a guest on Just Right. And she says that the government in Quebec has done the right thing in her October 24th column in the Post. And she wrote that before the Iranian Revolution, women in Iran looked like women in the West. The hijab and the niqab are modern inventions conceived as the outward expression of an anti-West, fundamentalist strain of Islam bent on global triumphalism. She then cites bands all around the world, Denmark, Sweden, France, all, all over the place, that have similar bans put in place, and they, they have good reasons for doing so. And she writes that in response to these bans, protesters have twice pursued legal challenges to them on human rights grounds of all things. Bill 62, she describes, is a religious 
neutrality law passed into force by Quebec's majority liberal government, which will ban face covers in the giving and getting of public services. Quebec Premier Philippe Couillard last week said of Bill 62, quote, We are in a free and democratic society. You speak to me, I should see your face, and you should see mine. It's as simple as that, end quote. Right on. Can't disagree with that. And she also writes that it's not Islamophobia that fuels Quebecers' enthusiasm for the face cover law, because in Quebec, the social ideal is modeled on the French principle of the full secularization of public life in the interest of vivre ensemble, living together. How ironic. Weren't we just talking about togetherness? Secularism is one of the keys, isn't it? By taking a stand, she concludes, at least in the taxpayer-funded institutions of public life, for which it is responsible, the Quebec government has done the right thing. Diversity can be our strength, but only when both individual rights and communal responsibilities find equilibrium in the public forum. End quote. And that was from Barbara Kay. Well, I don't know about diversity having any value with regards to strength. Again, Diversity is an anti-concept when left unattached to a noun or to some quality about which the diversity is. A diversity of cultures, when those cultures are diametrically opposed to one another, is chaos. It's not strength. It's weakness. Salim Mansour has been referring to this as official multiculturalism, and it's breaking down the unity of the nation. How ironic, right? If you stop to think about it, another way to look at multiculturalism is as racism enforced as diversity. It's the left way of ending any discussion on the matter and of enforcing its own prejudices and ignorances upon the rest of us. Let's face it, when it comes to opinions, (laughs) the one thing the left does not tolerate is diversity of opinion. As for just right, we make no pretense to be diverse. Our culture is based on freedom, which is a culture of individuals unified under the principle of individual rights. Our plan, as always, will be to continue our journey in the right direction with each and every broadcast. Join us again next week when we'll be doing exactly that. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Color it to black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be But we always see these wannabes at the powwow And they always want to be, you know So I wrote a commercial Called Generic-y <laughs> Say wannabes Are you tired of being left out in the cold With no native heritage? <laughs> Unaware of your Indian roots? Or maybe you have no Indian roots. Feel uncomfortable at powwows? <laughs> well, soon you'll be out there singing and dancing with the rest of us, thanks to Generiki. <laughs> yes, one spoonful of Generiki and your native roots will start to grow back instantly. You'll never feel spiritually inadequate again. Taken as directed, Generiki increases wisdom, it stores earthiness, and makes you one with the universe without a prescription. So try it today when someone asks you your tribal affiliation, just say, 
Generic-y. You may not be able to prove it, but you'll know it in your heart. Caution side effects may include suicide, poverty, disease, religious persecution, and general loss of land.